Thanks, Zach, and the worship team. Wasn't that great music today? Something to sing about, huh? Uh, great stuff. I love, uh, love that we have something to celebrate this season. Uh, it can get kind of chaotic and uh, kind of lost in this world. Uh, I, always, uh, I always think it's interesting that we're looking for a place to rest. We're looking for a place where uh, we can, so, some of us do this by, you know, we used to read the newspaper. You know what that is, right? Uh, it's like papers with words on it and stuff like that. Well, you know, now we have our phones or the internet or the television and say, oh, I just want to rest a little bit. So I'll just rest and read the news and it doesn't give you rest. It stirs your soul. It bothers you uh, as it bothers me. And we're looking for a place to rest, and we have a Savior. His name is Jesus, and uh, He is the one that can bring rest to our weary souls, uh, as we have even sung about here today. And so, thanks Zach and the team for uh, leading us today. Um, turn in your Bibles to Second Thessalonians chapter two, uh, and this will be uh, our last regular. Uh, message in our study, and we'll pick it up at the first of the year uh, again, but uh, I wanted to get to this passage. As as I looked at this passage, uh, I was a little frustrated that I didn't uh, mess with the schedule a little bit so I could do this right before Thanksgiving, because it's a great Thanksgiving passage, but I know this, that God wants us to be thankful today as well, right? Uh, to be grateful. Thanksgiving's not over. Uh, I know that we... Uh, Sometimes struggle with that. Uh, we go from Thanksgiving to complaining season, you know. Uh, uh, but that that season goes on a lot longer than actually Thanksgiving. But um, so so, anyways, uh, I wanted to get to this today. You were here last week. We talked about uh, Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, and uh, that he is going to come, and this will be part of God's plan for the end times that. He will come, and then the uh, there will be a rebellion, and the Lord will uh, take up His church, and this will be a part of His plan, uh, an amazing part of His plan, sometimes hard for us to know. And even as we looked last week, that it might have even seemed a little scary uh, that there could be one so powerful, and that there could be one that would uh, be deceiving to so many. And for the believer, uh, for you here as God's people, we don't want to think about uh, wickedness. We don't want to think about lawlessness. We don't want to think about rebellion against the Lord and how that uh, will play out. This passage that we're looking at today uh, goes from this chaotic heart, this chaotic world, this chaotic plan uh, and judgment but it goes from that to thanksgiving, thanksgiving. And uh, this morning, I hope that at the end of our time, as you walk away from here, that you can be grateful to the Lord uh, for what he's done in your life and in the lives of those around you, possibly your family members as well, possibly people that you're sitting with even uh, today, that you can be thankful for what God has done. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the last section in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 13. God's word says this, But we ought always to give thanks to God 
for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you uh, through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. God, we ask your blessing on your word, blessing on your church. I ask that you would uh, calm our hearts, establish our hearts, cause us to stand firm today, that we would not quit. I pray especially for those who are struggling here today, those who come with heavy hearts, uh, those who come agitated in their soul. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would quiet them down, that they would calmly trust you, their father who loves you being their father who loves them very much, so much that you sent your son to die for them. God, glorify yourself in your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look to God's word today, um, I want you to know that uh, that as we approach life, so many things promise much. They promise much. They they advertise that that they're going to be enough for you, and in the end, they are bankrupt themselves as well as throw you into a bankruptcy. There's a loss there as we invest in things that aren't worthy. Uh, when they fall apart, so do we. And we're looking, aren't we? We're looking for strength. Uh, we're, I always find it funny that, uh, you know, they say life hacks, right? You know, they, they're always advertising this life hacks. And hack just means trick, right? It means like the silver bullet. This is going to make it all worthwhile. I especially think it's funny uh, when young parents are looking for uh, parenting you know, things that are going to make the difference. And I want to tell you, um, your kid's still going to poop his pants. You know, there's no way to stop this. There's no way to stop this. You know, it, it, it's been Moses, you know, his mom and then the, you know, one of raising, they were trying to figure this out too, right? They did the river method. But um, anyways, uh, I, I, I just want to tell you, we're all looking for something that will work. We're looking for it. We're searching for it. We, we have all these pains of life, these ills, that, these things that trip us up. We're looking for some silver bullet. And, and I want to tell you, uh, it's found uh, in Jesus Christ. And this, is in the midst of uh, Paul sharing uh, to this young church that we're probably looking for the easier way. They were probably looking for the silver bullet. They were probably looking for something to take the pain away. Uh, 
he shares with them this after he shared with them something so amazing about the Lord's return and how uh, this plan was going to work itself out by God's design. He, on the back end of this, verse 13, he, he switches gears and he says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Uh, this little section here I've titled, Thankful for the Gospel, for Gospel Glory. What happens here is this, and, and Paul has been saying this really from 1 Thessalonians to 2 Thessalonians over and over again. He's, he's thankful for them. He's thankful. He, he's grateful for what is done. It, it's not that he's talking about, you know, you're nice people. I like hanging out with you. I like your personality. You're, you have a really nice house. Uh, he, he wasn't talking about his visit in terms of just that he liked them. But he's describing Christ's work in them. And he's seeing it as valuable. He's seeing it as something that makes him thankful. And it's appropriate. Uh, he, he uses some interesting words here. He says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you. It's appropriate thanksgiving. It, it will, as others would look on and as you see uh, the reality of it, it only makes sense. Um, sometimes we, we love things and it thr thrills our hearts. We, we love it and we're just like, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. And everyone else is going, not that great. Um, and, and we're living this delusional, like we, uh, you know, some of you do that with your uh, sports teams. You know, you, you love a particular team and they're not worthy of your love. Um, I want to get personal here, but I won't. I won't. Um, we don't always, we're not always thankful for things that are all that great. We, we don't always see things as they truly are. But Paul says, as he considers this church, these people that as he shared the gospel, their lives were changed and they, a church was established and they started to grow and to learn and their eyes were open and they'd been changed and they'd been saved in such a way that they were fit for heaven and all the riches of heaven were theirs. And as he thought of them, he says, it's only right that I would give thanks for you. I would give thanks for you. That I would be grateful to God for the work that He has done in them. As He shares this, uh, the thanks goes to God because God had loved them. Uh, in the middle of verse 13, it says this because God chose you. Some of us get hung up on that word chose, and we want to say, ah, it must be a typo or something. Because we want to think of ourselves choosing Him. Scripture teaches us, though we don't understand the plan, though we don't understand the timing of it all, we know that He chose us. Ephesians tells us before the foundation of the earth. And so He chose us. And so because of His choosing of us, we praise Him. We, we acknowledge that, that our salvation, our change that's gone on in our life, Whenever it happened, we praise Him for that because it's His work. 
We're thankful for gospel glory found in, in us because of God's doing. He describes what happens in the change at the end of verse 13. He says, through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. See, what happens when someone comes to Christ is that they are made perfect. In a sense, they're fit for heaven at that moment. And yet there are lingering sins and things that habits and and carryovers from that old life that that are still present. They're still uh, there that they still struggle with. And, And I think we know that, right? We know that in our own lives as well. We we realize that uh if you walked around with a shirt that says, God says I'm perfect, people would laugh. They would say, God may not know you that well because I see something that's different. I could show you proof of your imperfections. Um. God does a work and he continues to do a work. And he he speaks of this sanctification process. Sanctification being the process of making you holy. That he's in a work and doing what needs to be done in your life. And I, and I want to tell you, I just want to time out here. Uh, sometimes you wonder why your life is the way it is. Why certain things happen to certain people. And why... Uh, you know, you, you ask God, why, why? We, we all struggle with those things. We don't know why. But to trust him as a good and loving God to say, somehow this is part of your plan. Somehow this is a part of you making me what you want me to be. Bidding me for heaven. And so uh, he speaks of sanctification and he speaks of an ongoing process of believing in the truth. Uh, This is why we need the truth, the truth of God's word. We need it to continue to reprogram us. Um, I want to tell you, before you came to know Christ, you had unredeemed thoughts that you thought were good. You were living your life by them. You, you uh, you, You said, I learned these from somebody. Some of these I made up on my own. You really didn't. But anyways, you thought you had, you had your life. And and those were unredeemed thoughts. Those were thoughts that were leading you not to the Lord, but away from him. And so that your whole life is now this new reprogramming of that and a believing, uh, replacing the old things that you believe, replacing them with the truth. Uh, I didn't want to say it this harshly, but I think it's appropriate. Quit believing the lies that you used to believe, now believing the truth. This is the process where God is working us through. And this is what Paul was seeing in them. He knew it in his own life as well, but he was seeing in this church that God had saved them and that he was continuing this process, sanctification by the Spirit, belief in the truth. Verse 14, he says this, to the... To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He already used the word chosen or chose. God chose you. Now he says called you. And if you can think of those words, those words are somewhat interchangeable. But if you can think about it, uh, choosing is a word that goes way back before the event happens. 
calling is the historical event. That moment in time where he draws someone to himself. Choosing and calling. Um, what a great thing uh, that God has done this work. And because of him doing this work. Uh, and, and we struggle. Uh, we struggle with seeing how good this is. At, at the end of verse 14 there. Do you see? So that you. So that you. A common person from Thessalonica. Lost in sin. Not born in a family that knew the gospel. But. Uh, got to it later as Paul came. Uh, you hear the gospel, you respond to the gospel. He says this, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that? What does that even mean? The glory that the Lord Jesus Christ has, and, and you, you see Really, the whole Bible is speaking of Jesus and pointing to the Messiah that will come, which is Jesus. And, and then we celebrate the birth of Jesus because he's the king. And, and we look to the scripture and he's this amazing teacher. And it's Jesus again. And, and then Jesus comes and he, he sets right and he presents his kingdom. And then as he leaves, he sets up his church. And, and, and you look at all these things pointing to Jesus and he's going to come again and reign. And it all points to Jesus, and there's this magnificent, glorious plan. There's these display of him, and just, it's hard to get. And he says, that's the glory that you receive. So that, that, that's what you get. That's what you get. Not that you could be Jesus, but that you participate in that because of the gospel. He has taken you from being an orphan on the streets to being part of experiencing the glory of being a precious child. And so what does Paul say? We have to always give thanks. We, we, I should give thanks for what God has done in you. For when you see it, when you see someone who's been changed by the gospel, thank God. Thank God. As I look around today, I know some of your stories. I thank God for you. Because God did a work in you. You couldn't do yourself. Nobody else could do. No doctor. They couldn't fix you. You know, can't fix them. You know what happens next, right? Uh, I want to tell you, you couldn't be fixed. You couldn't be fixed. But we praise God. That he did not discard us, but that he chose to save us. And he chose to give us participation in the glory of his own son. So we thank God for gospel glory. We thank God for the gospel. As we move on, you look at verse 15, it says this. So then, brothers, stand firm. And I just want to say, if you're looking for a title, stand firm in it. This gospel that you heard, this gospel that has changed the Thessalonica, the gospel that has changed Paul, uh, stand firm in it. Um, he says, this great treasure, something to be thankful for, so stand firm in it. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by letter. As we look at that, you realize this, that uh, they didn't have a Bible like ours. When Paul rolled into town, he didn't have the case of Bibles with him. Okay? He didn't have the Gideons. He had a box of Gideons there. 
It would have been great if he did. He would have used him if he had him, uh, but he didn't. And so as he rolled into town, uh, it was his message. It was his message. And this message was a message from God. He was an apostle. He was an apostle. And so as he shared with them the message and taught them, and Paul goes back to that over and over again in both the letters to First and Second Thessalonians, uh, he, he goes back to that over and over. We talked about this, right? We talked about this. And so he was sharing with them. Some of what he was sharing was, had been shared with him. It was passed down. And others were new. And then the last part, he refers to his first letter written. You know, I, I wrote to you. I, I gave you something written. And so as you hear these things, he says, stand firm in it. And hold to it, hold to it, or, or cling to it. As you look at this passage, I, I want you to know this. He's calling them not to change their answer. Uh, many of us here have long since passed going to school. You can say praise God or amen or whatever comes to your mind, you know, not going to school anymore. But you know what I'm talking about when I, when I say to you, uh, you're taking that test and you get to that question and you're, it's multiple guess and you're, you're, you get your answer and you go, I think it's this one. I think it's this one. Yeah, I'm confident. This is the right answer. And then you think about it. Oh, no, I didn't study that hard. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. You might even, uh, some of you did this in school, you look over at somebody else's paper and you go, they didn't get that answer. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the, the teacher would come up to you and look at your paper and go. And in your mind, you're saying, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a, a, an educational bully in your class leans forward and says, you don't change that answer, I'm going to beat you up after class. Maybe I'll change my answer. Maybe I'm wrong. And I want to tell you the pressures of life, the pressures of life. The enemy desires to use so that we would change our answer. That we would not stand firm. For me, uh, Old Testament book of Daniel, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they were told to bow over and over again, and they were pressured to. And uh, there's this pressure of life, both by people and circumstances and trials, pressure. We, we've sunk today. There's a shelter, right? And... And as these pressures come, the enemy desires to use them in our lives so that we would say, I'll change my answer. I'll quit. I won't stay where the Lord has placed me. I won't stand firm. I won't cling to it. You know, the, the picture of holding fast uh, is to this message that they'd been shared with, a message that had been passed down a, a, a and this is the problem, by the way, of walking with the Lord. There's only one book. There's only one book. It's an old book. It's an old book. You can get new translations, and some of those are bad, and some of those are good. But uh, it's an old book. Uh, 
been passed down from generation to generation. It's, it's, it's very old. It speaks from the beginning of time, and it really speaks to the end of time. And We're in a place where uh, it's, not that, it's not speaking about us, but it's not recording what we're doing right now. But so this is all we got right here. This is all we got. And we are fascinated with new things, right? It always blows my mind. You go to school and they, they say, oh, we got a new math book. Why do you need a new math book? It's math. <laughs> it's boring and it's the same, right? It's the same boring stuff forever, all right? It's math. Some of you like math because of that. They can't come up with anything new, right? Math. I, I want to tell you that, that the problem with this, and even as he was addressing to them that the traditions, the traditions, and these aren't traditions of like uh, opening cr- presents on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas. It's not traditions like that. It, it's that this message was passed down. That this was given from generation to generation. And so some, especially as new generations come, you say, oh, I don't need those traditions. And some of them you don't, by the way. But that which is true, you should cling to from generation to generation. And we only have one book. And so he's calling on them to stand firm in it. The same gospel that they would not move from that. They would hold to it. Which brings us to verse 16. And verse 16 causes us to think about that we can be encouraged by it, by the gospel, encouraged by the gospel. Verse 16 says this, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts. And establish them in every good work and word. What a great couple of verses for us today. Some of you are struggling. I know. I know you're struggling. Uh, You didn't tell me. Uh, I just know some of the things that are going on in your life. And I know that uh, phases of life and raising kids and struggling with health issues. I know those things uh, bother your hearts. And... There's a tendency uh, to stand firm and say, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't hold, hold to it. I can't stand firm anymore. I'm discouraged. Um, God's word, verses 16 and 17 of the chapter that we're looking at, calls us to be encouraged. Why? Because of the plan of God. The plan of God says this in verse 16, that he loved us. He loved us. He loved us, but He loves us, right? He loved us, but He loves us. As we think of this Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And, and what does that tell us? That God loved us. How do you know? Because I have a nice house. Because I have good health. Because I got everything that I wanted. No. We know that God loves us because He sent His Son Jesus. That, that's how we know. And Paul is reminding his readers of the plan of God, the gospel, and he says, he loved us. He loved us. And so uh, that love can be enough for you, right? Not everything's perfect, but I know that God loves me. 
Not everything's the way I like it, but God loves me. God has a plan and he's caring for me. I don't have to have everything that I want. I don't have to uh, be the one to schedule my life. I don't have to know the future. I know that I'm loved by God. It says that he loved us and he gave us eternal comfort. Eternal comfort. Not present comfort. Not temporary comfort. Not a little bit of comfort, but eternal comfort. I want to tell you that if you're looking for comfort on Amazon, you can't find it. They have everything else. They have everything else. If you can find it, right, you know, you know where to look. Uh, they, they don't have this. They don't have eternal comfort. Why? Because it's only found in the gospel which comes person of Jesus Christ, that we can't have comfort that goes beyond this life, but we can have Jesus, and it's on that uh, eternal comfort and the good hope that comes through his grace, not because we've earned it, verse 17, he, he says that, that that would comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word and as he speaks of every good work, work and word, it's the picture of what we're doing now, right? The things that we're doing, the things that we're saying, the things that God's called us to. Sometimes that's the most difficult thing is how do we go on? How do we keep going? How do we keep walking one foot in front of the other? How do we keep doing what we feel like the Lord wants us to do? How do we do that? We're encouraged by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're encouraged because of the comfort that we receive from him not temporary stuff the stuff that we can only find in jesus let me give you three things that would be helpful for today first of all find your riches in christ find your riches in christ uh some sometimes we're in a mess sometimes we're in a mess we don't have riches we look uh in relationships and they're not right we look uh our finances they're not right we look at our job or health or whatever and they, maybe they're just not right he didn't call them uh, and, and give them encouragement to say, look at your life. He says, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. And so I just want to encourage you, find your riches in Christ. When you're feeling poor, when you're feeling uh, empty, look to Christ. If you look in the wrong place, it's not going to work out very well for you. You'll, you'll find this frantic looking there no that's not going to work look here and this may work for a moment but eventually you're going to have to trade that out and you're going to go from one thing to another unless you find your riches in christ in him secondly don't move don't move uh, there's a tendency both by temptation of people wanting to draw you off and pressures of life pushing you away and uh, things getting too difficult that you just want to quit don't move because you have the right answer. Don't move. The gospel is the right answer for you. Thirdly, I'd say this. Make him your comfort. Make him your comfort. And I, I say make him your comfort. I, I realize that we're not making God into anything. We're not uh, shaping Jesus himself to be something that is helpful for me. He is that. Uh, but if you choose something else... If you look for comfort in other things, you'll be let down. 
And so in the midst of life's hurts and sorrows, I want to encourage you to find your comfort in Him. Find your comfort in Him. As you hurt, and there will be hurts. I was talking about uh, some youth group kids that are now married and having kids. And uh, going through difficult times right now. And, I, and I, I'm not a parent of them. But as I, I saw them as young people, I, you, you want to have everything be okay, everything be nice, happy, like you can post it on Facebook, it's all good, you know, and make it, I want, all, but that's not true of them right now. They're hurting. And, and I want to I, I tell you that, like, when I look at that, I go, the only thing that they can do, they can't change circumstances. They can find their comfort knowing that he has saved them, he's holding them, he's walking with them. They have the right answer. That's the gospel of Jesus. Please join with me in prayer. Father, thank you for this time that we could come, uh, that we could look to your word, that we could gain encouragement from it. What a blessing to think of your gospel in light of end time events and knowing that it seems like everything will be chaotic and things that we can't understand, things that are new, different. Uh, And God, we realize in the midst of that, that you want us just to think about Jesus, your son, Jesus, the one who saved us, the one who did the work, the one that we can cling to, the message that we uh, can hold on to, and the message that grants us and gives us eternal comfort and hope. God, we I ask that you would encourage the hearts that are here today. Um, If there are those who don't trust in you today, God, I I pray that you would draw them to yourself today, right now, uh, so that they might experience the riches that are found in your Son and in your Word. God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name. Right now, uh, we're going to turn a time of communion, and I'd ask that the men would come forward and make ready the table. Uh, as we share in a time where we remember the Lord, we've spoken of his gospel, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that that he is the one, right? That he is the one that we need and that he is the one where there's great encouragement in. And so as we speak of this right now, uh, I want to tell you this, that this is what we celebrate. This is what we celebrate, that Jesus did something that we could not do. Um, sometimes we come to this time and we're, we want to say, oh, I got to get ready for communion. Like I got to do everything right. That's not what this time is about. It's about that he covered all that you did wrong. He covered it all. Um, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we welcome you to participate in this. And This is a time for you, no matter what church you're a part of. If uh, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if this is your first time or you've been coming here and you're still wondering about the message, I'd ask that you would not partake, but you'd look uh, to the Lord right now. You'd consider your own soul before Him, that you might know forgiveness. That's the most important thing. It's the first step. You would get right with God. We will uh, hold the elements until all are served, and then we'll partake together.
Jesus gathered with his disciples, uh, they shared a meal before he went to the cross. And at that meal, uh, the giving thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. He explained to them that this was his body broken for them, that this was what he was going to do. We do this this morning, remembering the body of our Lord broken on our That same meal, Jesus also took the cup, explained to them that this was the blood of the new covenant that he was making with them. We do this this morning, remembering the blood of our Lord spilled on his on our behalf. Please stand with me. 
God, we thank you for your grace, mercy, your love for us, comfort that you grant us, comfort for eternity. God, we ask that you would help us to be encouraged today, uh, that we would walk with you, that we would stand firm in the gospel, knowing what you have done for us, rejoicing at the work that you do in the lives of people. God, thank you for what you've done. Uh, glorify yourself in your church this day and this week, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As you leave today, uh, you can participate in offering for those who are in need in our midst. Uh, you can participate in that as you leave. Thank you so much for coming today. You are dismissed.